Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and will increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action, episode 62. This is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. So, Action, how did you do this weekend? There was uh, some big, obviously, NFL games. You were hitting some college basketball games. Looks like you might have had a pretty good weekend. Yeah, it was uh, started out really well on Friday night, hit a couple of winners with Michigan State and Iowa, and then uh, Saturday gave some back a little bit, but Sunday was equally good with the NFL and um, some additional college basketball games. So overall, a positive weekend, so I can't ask for much more than that. How about you? Well, uh, it was a really good weekend betting-wise. Uh, finally, the index paid off, and you know the favorites did win. I know the books took a bath this weekend because favorites and overs went in. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, basically three out of four in terms of uh, I got both sides right. And I had the under in the San Francisco Green Bay game, which looked pretty good until just the annihilation in the first half, and the Packers came back with a few vengeance. We can talk about that later. But um, – yeah, so really good weekend for once, a little money, and then I did lose on the Raquel, whatever her name, in the uh, UFC oh, yeah. fight. She did not come through. She lost in a, I think it was a unanimous decision she lost. So she didn't lose the fight outright like in a knockout, like McGregor took out the other guy. But um, but yeah, so we'll see how she does, and just kind of you know took it easy. Other than that, um, a little. Chill time at home, setting up the event, which you know I'm gonna plug again. We've got uh-huh. Friday, February seventh. You know, Eminem singles meet the good old fashioned way is bringing meeting made easy at the Easy Bar, at uh, which is at 1944 West Division Avenue in Chicago. That's Friday, February seventh at 8 p.m. till 11. Um, if you want information, jump on my either one, uh, Twitter, or Instagram. I've got information. You, we have an event break going. It's 10 bucks to get in, and then it's just cash bar. So we'll have a DJ and some apps for everybody and mix up and meet some singles out there. And if you aren't single, you can still come. You just got to bring a single friend so you can, you know, add to the mix. So that would okay. be, I guess, you, you action if you end up coming through. Okay. Well, perhaps we'll have to see if I can get that on the calendar. And when you say <laughs> Eminem, that's like the candy, right? Not like the rapper who hails from Detroit. Well, actually, it's our group. Uh, my partner and I created this group. It's not incorporated or anything, but it's Mix and Mingle Singles is what okay. we call it, Eminem Singles. So it's not like the candy. Um, it's our little moniker. We have a little, we have a logo and everything, action. So just another venture. Um, but yeah, this year, instead of the Maker's Mark, we don't have a sponsor this year, so we're just meeting Made Easy at Easy Bar. I thought that was kind of a cute uh, moniker. And yeah. um, just a chill spot in Wicker Park, you know, that area of Chicago. And after that, who knows where the after party will take us. So it should be a good night. Cool. Sounds like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into what we're here for, the, uh, the actual gambling stuff. Uh, we'll go over the NCAA hoops, how we did last week, uh, the action power ratings, some games of interest. Uh, review UFC from last weekend. We kind of already touched on it a little bit. And then we'll do a mid-season NBA report. I know we're catering to our 
super fan and Melissa in the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, both you know records and over unders totals, win totals, and then um, then we'll jump in the NFL. A little bit of a light week with the NFL. We're not going to talk about the Pro Bowl. Well, no, you got the Pro Bowl on there. Look at that. No, that's Super Bowl. Um, so we'll talk <laughs> about the Pro Bowl, but we could talk about early uh, leans or stuff for the Super Bowl and then how we fared in Championship Sunday. So another hearty episode. Yeah, absolutely. I did not include the Pro Bowl. I think I'm going to pass on that game this year. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm more interested in, in other stuff. So, well, let's go in NCAA hoops. We had a really good week. I should say you did. You picked most of these games. So, overall, it looks like, let's see, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What is that? Seven, seven and four. four. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. pretty damn good. That's uh, good. It's a profitable week. Um, starting off with Michigan State, who took apart the Badgers. Uh, they won by 12 there on Friday. As you put, they they put on a clinic against the Badgers, and I'm assuming Cassius Winston was the engine driving that ship. Yeah, Cassius definitely played really well on Friday night, and the big guys, too, inside were uh, pounding the rock, and uh, Wisconsin just couldn't shoot very well against that MSU defense. So that was ultimately the name of the game. That's right. Uh, continuing on the home tilt, uh, Iowa took out Michigan. That game was a little closer for a while there. They were a four-point favorite at home, but uh, they won 90-83 with your guy, Luca Garza, dominating again. Huge game, 33 points and seven boards. That guy's getting it done. Yeah, Luca Garza is awesome. He played a, a fantastic game again last night against Rutgers, for those of you who mm-hmm. may have caught it. And uh, Iowa was really kind of flirting with, uh, losing this game for quite a while. Michigan had an early lead, but they ended mm-hmm. up pulling it out and getting the cover. And I got to say, when it comes to Iowa, they don't play any defense whatsoever. High-scoring <laughs> games week in and week out, and uh, this one finished 90-83, to 83, another one. Yeah, that's a high-scoring game in the Big Ten for sure. One of the games uh, we were talking about, Florida against Auburn. Florida was hosting Auburn. Auburn was rolling up until basically last week. And uh, they went in on Saturday, and the Gators kind of took them apart, uh, beating them 69-47, to covering that one-point spread easily by 22. The Gators are a team on the come for me. They've always been good metrically. They just got to start winning games, and this was a nice turnaround point. Yeah, this one was kind of a slam dunk for me and really an easy pick when it came down to it. The Gators led wire to wire, and there was no question in this one. Mm-hmm. One of the ones we didn't do well was our, you know, my Shockers went down to Houston at home. They were a four-point favorite, and they ended up losing that game outright. So uh, watch out for the Cougars. I mean, Kelvin Sampson, he had that team playing great last year. They probably should have advanced further in the tournament than they did last year. They're definitely a team to be reckoned with. And uh, Wichita losing at home, is it doesn't bode that well, actually, for their AAC standing against mm-hmm. Houston. Yeah, they did bounce back last night, but this one certainly surprised me with them going down to Houston at home. And uh, I think you and I both called that this was going to be a lower-scoring game, also stayed under the total of 137.5. That's right. That's an awesome call by you. Uh, Another, (laughs) this kind of broken record, home teams, uh, although it did kind of change a little bit earlier this week, uh, Maryland took out Purdue. They were four-point favorites at home on Saturday. They won 57-50. But it did take a late, you know, it looks like a, they had an early lead, and then they were able to hang on late against Purdue, who made a late charge. Very low-scoring game, though, 57-50. to 50. That's a really low total. Mm-hmm. Maryland plays some pretty mm-hmm. serious defense, and uh, Purdue, likewise, 
they certainly don't bring any offense when they hit the road. I think Maryland was up by 14 or 15 at halftime and held on for this cover in the end. Right. In the ACC, uh, we didn't even talk about the side much, I think, we maybe a little bit, but Duke was taking on Louisville, and you really liked the under in this game, the uh, 137, and that didn't hit, but Louisville took them out um, and Cameron, so that's two losses for Duke in the ACC, which is kind of weird for a mm-hmm. team. You think that uh, Mac just really outcoached Coach K in this one yeah, uh, for this game. Certainly. Louisville jumped out to an early lead, and it just didn't seem like throughout the entire game that Duke could get their footing and coach K just didn't make any adjustments whatsoever. Uh, Seemingly everyone would expect Duke to come out in the second half and uh, get the lead back, but that didn't happen in this one as Louisville held on for the victory. It did. So big win for them. They kind of leapfrog Duke in the standings there, which is great. Um, You've got uh, Rutgers. We've been talking about them. Scarlet Knights. I've got my sweatshirt on right now. Uh, they they took out Minnesota. They were three-point favorites at home on Sunday, and they won 64-56, and the game did hit under, as you expected, so that was a double hit. Um, this Rutgers team's for real. They played hard against Iowa last night, as you said. They did lose, um, but that's a team to, you know, they were in the top 25 for the first time in a gazillion years, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, big win for Rutgers at home on Sunday over Minnesota, but this team is not quite the same when they hit the road. And you got to really fear for that offense. I mean, their defense is mm-hmm. outstanding, but uh, only 78th ranked when it comes to offensive efficiency. And ultimately, I think that's going to hold them back a little bit. But if they could find some scoring, I certainly think they're a team that could be in a Sweet 16 kind of picture. Sure, sure. If they get the right matchups, no doubt. One of the games we were split on, you know, Butler and Villanova. Villanova flexed their muscles in that game on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and they won almost by nine, was it 19 points or something. They crushed Butler. So I guess that early Butler magic is starting to wear off. I'm not sure if there's injuries on that squad, but Villanova showed uh, Butler that they were still the big boys in the Big East, although we know that Seton Hall is actually really on top of that conference. Yeah, without a doubt, Seton Hall is certainly the class of the Big East right now. And uh, this was definitely a tough loss for Butler. I think they did lose a player to an ACL injury in the game mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. But um, three losses in a row now for Butler, and now they are looking to get back on track uh, tomorrow night against Marquette at home. That's right. One of the ones I did like it didn't hit uh, was Arkansas. They were hosting Kentucky. Short favorites there, and we thought under was the play because of the way Arkansas plays defense at 136. But Calipari's got his team playing much better. They won 73-66, uh, and <laughs> he said Cal got ejected in this game. Yeah. Yeah, they were down. Uh, I was watching this on Saturday. They were down probably seven or eight points, and Coach Cal just mm. went off on the officials and uh, quick mm-hmm. two technicals, and he was to the locker room. And right after that, the Wildcats went on a big run and retook the lead and ended up really kind of closing this game out pretty handily against Arkansas. Interesting, interesting. Uh, one of the ones not on this recap was the uh, – well, it was an easy win in the books in terms of Kansas against uh, Kansas State this week. Uh. But uh, D'Souza going crazy with the chair, and he's suspended 12 games now. Uh, I mean, kind of an ugly situation at the end of that game. Uh, really, it could have been worse if he, if he actually hit somebody with that chair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was watching that game, and uh, I had flipped off right at the end because it was clear that my under ticket was a loser. And I, I saw on social media that there was a fight, so I quickly flipped back and 
after a mm-hmm. long review, they ended up bringing the teams back out of the locker room to shoot two technical <laughs> free throws with like half a second on the clock. And ultimately, oh Kansas State made two free throws, which swung the second half spread, making the Jayhawks a loser after Kansas State, oh. after they were pulled out of the locker room. So certainly a oh, bad beat cool. if you were on Kansas in the second half on that one. Exactly, exactly. Um, I guess the guy who did the steal, so what prompted the whole situation was there was a Chicago kid, actually, freshman. They're getting smashed, and he steals the ball as the guy's just dribbling out the clock to Sousa, and then... Uh, he goes to the he goes to the basket and D'Souza just swats the ball away and stands over him and then that's when the melee ensued so <laughs> kind of wow. a, a weird crazy situation um I've heard quite a bit about it the last couple of days so Kansas is in a little bit of disarray which you know we could talk later come tournament time they're a really good basketball team but there's still a lot of clouds following that team, and there's a lot of talk that Self's going to go to the NBA or he's going to be hmm. out of here by the summer because the full investigation, I guess, won't be complete till the summertime. So um, it's a kind of interesting sub-note that's not related to our picks this week, but just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, definitely a team that I avoid wagering on or looking for uh, any sort of Final Four run or national championship year in and you're out. just doesn't seem like Bill Self has – the coaching prowess to make his team play well in March, and I won't expect it to happen again this year. I know. Don't tell Whitney that, but it's true. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's go over the action power ratings for college basketball. Let's see if there's been any major changes. It looks like there's some movement in there. Yeah, a little bit, actually. Uh, Duke's still at number one, but the aforementioned Kansas Jayhawks up to number two in the rankings mm-hmm. this week, uh, mostly buoyed by a solid rebounding adjustment number and their effective field goal percentage almost tops in the nation between their offensive and defensive splits. Um, three is Gonzaga. Four are West Virginia Mountaineers, a team of the podcast this season. And That's uh, right. five is Michigan State. Six, Baylor. Seven is the Dayton Flyers, continuing to move mm-hmm. up in these rankings and continuing to impress me week in and week out. Eight is Louisville. Nine is San Diego State. And ten is Maryland at the moment. Interesting top ten. I heard some discussion. I haven't haven't been able to dig in yet to my bracketology analysis, but I guess Lenardi has Dayton as a two seed right now, and San Diego State as a one seed right now. Wow. So some of these teams that you see, Gonzaga included, uh, are one seed. So it's interesting. There's kind of a feeling that Baylor and Kansas are kind of cancel each other out. I mean, one of them will get a one seed likely. But these are some really good basketball teams. And, yeah, you mentioned West Virginia and Hugs. I mean, that team continues to play really well this year. Their defense is excellent. But, you know, that's Dayton's a – hey, they're a dark horse, man. They're, they're coming out of the A-10. They're going to be a pretty good seed, so watch out for that team. Yeah, definitely are. It's certainly a team worth looking at for futures, although I was checking myself, and I think the value has kind of passed us by a little bit on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. One team I did hit a national championship future on, though, is uh, the Rutgers team. I know, I know. we mentioned it last <laughs> week, and I was sitting here debating whether or not to wait until after the Iowa game last night, but uh, considered there's a chance they might win that game, and I ended up pulling the trigger at 100-1 to 1 for Rutgers to win the national championship. So wow. I'm now all in on the state of New Jersey. 
<laughs> As you are. Yeah, that's right. You love Rutgers in New Jersey in there. So, well, you know, I commend you for going after those big numbers. I just, uh, well, we'll see. You know, who knows? You, if they get further along and Sweet 16, maybe you can get a little prop swap or something like that. There you go. Get some, somebody to buy that ticket from you. Um, what about some games this week? We didn't do as normal our normal deep dive, but, um, you know, there's a game Friday night. We love the Friday night action. Uh-huh. We know action loves the Friday night action. Looks like Butler's playing Marquette this week at Butler. It looks like Butler's a like four and a half point favorite according to Bet Online, or five and a half point favorite. Mm-hmm. Any interest in Marquette there since Butler's kind of hit a slide, and of course they're playing at home, but you know, five and a half points with uh, Marcus Howard might be a lot. Yeah, five and a half does seem like a lot on paper, but Ken Palm's got this game at six, and I make it okay. five and a half myself. I think that the number's probably right in line. Like we mentioned earlier, Butler's coming off of that three-game losing streak, and now they're getting back to Hinkle Fieldhouse. So I think that's going to be a major factor in this one. Plus, you also look at this Butler defense, 19th ranked in defensive efficiency, and they're really good at defending the opponent three-point line, which is mm-hmm. obviously a key when you're playing against Howard and the Marquette team. So I think that Butler probably the team to look for here, although 5.5 is certainly a tough number to lay. Gotcha, gotcha. This weekend is the uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge, so there's some really exciting games in that league. One of the ones we did mention uh, before the pod is that Kentucky's going to Texas Tech. Kentucky is uh, going to play you know, at Lubbock. Tech obviously being the runner-up from last year. And you know, I'm, I don't know what the number – you could speculate what my number should be here, but I, I kind of like Kentucky in this game. I know Tech has been good, but not as good as they were last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Coach Cal seems to have his team, you know, playing really well right now. And what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, Ken Palm has Texas Tech as a three-point victor in this game. So mm-hmm. certainly would be very interesting to see if Kentucky is uh, catching points in this one when the Lions come out tomorrow afternoon. Um, this Kentucky team is really good in the paint, and they have great rebounding numbers this season. So I would expect that they should be able to find some success against that Red Raider team. And uh, I'm actually got these teams about rated equal. So if you're catching mm-hmm. points with Kentucky, I think that's probably a good play. Yeah, I like that one. Another one in that vein, and this is only, well, let's just talk about it. So another, you know, in the challenge is Baylor is going to Florida. We talked about Florida, you know, had a big win last week against Auburn. Uh, Baylor is the number one team in the nation right now. They're playing really well. They haven't really haven't lost since since Washington very early in the year. Mm-hmm. But Florida's a tough place to play, and it seems like you know they've righted the ship a little bit. They're seven and one at home. The Gators are, and I would imagine Baylor's favored, you know, given the ranking. But uh, what say you? Yeah, Ken Palm. Again, you're right, spot on. Baylor by one, according to Ken Palm, mm-hmm. but. I definitely agree. I've been looking to find a spot to fade Baylor for the last week or so. They squeaked out a victory last weekend on the road uh, at Oklahoma State, barely covering the number of six and a half. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think that this is definitely a spot where they could trip up here on the road in Gainesville. I think that uh, the Florida team is going to be able to shoot the ball pretty well against Baylor. I've seen the past couple of games, their defense has been not quite as good as I expected them to be. And I believe Mm -hmm. that this Florida offense might be able to have some success, certainly in the paint, scoring against that Baylor defense. So I think that uh, Florida, 
especially if you can get them as an underdog is worth a great look here. Agreed. Agreed. Is there a Saturday? Uh, I guess I'm not looking at. Oh yeah, is how about the Saturday total for the Big Ten game? I know you love that one. Yeah. Illinois against Michigan. Is that your play? I don't know what the total would be in your matrix there. Uh, looks like 139. And um, actually, was considering scooping up some tickets and going over to Ann Arbor for this game, mainly because mm. I want to see Illinois play. They are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. had kind of circled this one myself as a play for on Illinois. And um, mm-hmm. handicap changed slightly after Michigan dropped that game the other night at home to Penn State. I was kind of expecting them to win that one and uh, was looking at Illinois. But I still think that Illinois is worth a play here. Their defense has been looking a lot better lately. 44th ranked now, which is something to be said after their team from last year. And on the other side, Michigan is still without Isaiah Livers. I heard some reports that he might be back on Wednesday to face off against Penn State. And during the Mm -hmm. broadcast, they indicated that it might be another month or six weeks. So this Michigan team does not have the same offense without them. And I think that Illinois is probably the side here. I do think that I would look under or lean under in this one, but I would like Illinois better than the total. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, You know, it's hard to say. I, 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 I want to see Illinois play a little bit more. I did see them play the other night. They've been playing pretty good. I mean, I like the way they play. Their guard play is excellent, I think. Um, i just a little bit worried that you know Michigan, that the home court advantage that we've been talking about in the Big Ten, it didn't hold a lot this week, but in general it does. And I think the Wolverines have a pretty good home court advantage, so mm-hmm. I'd probably stay away from the side there, but I, I might stick to your total. You know, your come on, the narrative on the total works. Yeah. You know, 60% of the time, at least. So. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how about Dayton and Richmond? Big matchup in the oh. A-10 this weekend. Richmond's probably mm-hmm. the second best team in the A-10, and the Flyers are on the road on Saturday to face off against the Spiders. Well, you know, I love myself some Richmond Spiders. Um, I don't know enough about these teams to bet. I think that from what I've seen anyway – um, in my numbers, Dayton is, you know, they're so good, uh, especially on offense. And this team scores the ball. At, when I pulled the numbers early in the week, they're the second best offense next to the Zags in the country. So I don't know what Richmond does on defense, but I see that, you know, they're 73rd in Ken Palm overall. That's what I pulled the number as. So I'd be a little fearful, but clearly I don't think Dayton's going to go undefeated uh, in the A-10. I mean, maybe they will. Um, they're 17 and two right now overall heck of a team. So I guess this would be one of the spots. Uh, I'm going to stay away, but you all in on that one? Well, I'm very curious to see what the number looks like. I've got Dayton about 12 points better on a neutral and Ken Mm -hmm. Palm right now is showing Richmond to be about a six point underdog in this one. So I may be looking to lay the points with the road flyers here and you're spot on. It's all having to do with that field goal percentage. Number one, shooting 59% from the floor this season, which is uber impressive. And uh, on the other side, Richmond's defense is fair, but um, not in the top 100, certainly. And uh, I think on the other side, Dayton is going to have a dominant edge on the rebounding as well. The uh, Richmond Spiders are pretty far down in those numbers. So maybe looking to lay the points here with the road favorite. Interesting. All right. Well, 
We'll see how it goes. I mean, when the number comes out, I'm sure it'll hit me up and say, hey, well, it's only two points on the road. Do, do it, you know. I'll jump in. I'm a sucker like that. Um, are there any other matchups? I was looking a little further ahead into the, the week. I don't see anything on Sunday that is that intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're looking ahead. You've got – I haven't really deciphered what's going on with Virginia this year. I mean, I guess they can't score. That's the problem, right? Yeah. They're playing Florida State. Uh, Florida State's on the road. Uh, in this game, Florida, and that's on Tuesday in the ACC. So Florida State's a really good team. We kind of talked about how Leonard Hamilton, early in the in the preview edition, he always gets these dudes, you know, these dudes that play ball, and they're clearly good. I mean, sixteen and two, six and one in the ACC. Virginia's struggling uh, this year. They still play really good defense, but they can't score. I'd probably look to lay points if it's Florida State, if it's a short number, or hopefully, you know, get some points on the road at Virginia. What do you got at that game, Matt? I've got Florida State as a much better team in that game, mm-hmm. and uh, they are traveling to Virginia this time. If you recall a few weeks ago, I think that Florida State got them at home, and it's definitely a tough matchup for Virginia. Florida State plays pretty good defense in their own right, and as we've yep. talked about for weeks now, Virginia doesn't really have much of an offense this season. So I certainly think that um, if you get some points with the Seminoles on the road, it might be worth a shot. Gotcha. Uh, on, uh, on Tuesday night, we've got the Boilermakers heading to Piscataway to face off against Rutgers. And uh, this looks like a spot where I'll be fading Purdue. Like I mentioned earlier, that offense just does not travel on the road. And going off against that Rutgers defense, I don't see how there's any way Purdue can keep that one close. So I'll be looking to lay points with Rutgers there. Probably we'll look at the under as well. Ken Palm projected at 118. I would expect both hmm. of those teams to keep that below that total. Yeah, it's a definitely low total there. Yeah, go Scarlet Knights. Um, the last one I have is, I guess, on Wednesday as well, or Wednesday night. It's going to be, I hate to pick on Texas Tech, but the Mountaineers are going to Texas Tech, man. This mm-hmm. is a, a grudge match. I definitely would go under in this game. I don't know what the total is going to be, but hopefully it's around 120 or above because these teams play great D. Um, and I like my Mountaineers on the road, man. I just love this team. I don't know why I love them so much. Because um, I hugs. Because he like grumbles. He's like Eeyore at the <laughs> at the mic. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's. I mean, he gets his guys. I know he yells at them all day. And they play. And not to pick on Tech, but they still struggle to score. And West Virginia, we've talked about they're really far up there, but they're they're 44th in offense. I mean, that's great. But that defense is legit. So. I would definitely take West Virginia if I get some points and would like the under in that game. Yeah, definitely a solid rebounding team, too. They're third-ranked in the offensive rebounding metrics. So West Virginia clocked them at home a few weeks back by 12, mm-hmm. and I think that mm-hmm. if you can get this game close to a pick you're uh, looking good for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, we did get some games in there, so nice job, action. Yeah, likewise. Um, <laughs> well, let's jump into just a slight recap of the UFC fight. Uh, 246, Conor McGregor, who is a huge draw, by the way. You've got Tom Brady out there, TB12, and a bunch of other celebrities. He didn't really make – it wasn't much of a, a fight with Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Mm-hmm. And uh, 32 whole seconds, it was like a Mike Tyson situation. I did see – Cerrone's grandma came out and consoled him <laughs> after the game, which is never a good sign. Um, so too bad, but 
So you lost your over round and a half bet on that one. I did, yeah. Talked myself into a little bit of a piece of Conor McGregor late as it pushed down to close to minus $3. So I uh, was able to mitigate some of the damage, but it definitely looked like that one. I'm not going to say it was rigged, but it was certainly set up for <laughs> Conor to have a pretty easy victory so that they could uh, get him into a much bigger fight in the next calendar year. Right, exactly. They're talking about the big contender. and I mean, the dude brings in the cash, so you can't fault him for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like I said, I lost my Raquel, whatever her name was, bet. So no more betting on you, Raquel. You, you failed me. <laughs> so let's jump into the midseason report for the NBA, making our NBA fans happy. Uh, so what do we got here? You got a lot of information about you know, against the spread and who's the best against the spread. And then mm-hmm. on the totals, that's totals. I got you. Over-unders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I printed off some uh, records here from Odds Shark. Thankful that they could provide this information for us. And uh, it may surprise you to see Oklahoma City as the number one team in the league. A very hot 29-15 and 15 against the spread, which is four mm-hmm. games better than the Milwaukee Bucks, who are in second place. So uh, mm-hmm. Chris Paul trade for uh westbrook looks like it's doing some wonders there for the thunder well as you've noted on this spreadsheet is they're really an underdog a lot Mm -hmm. so they've been underdogs 26 times this year and they're 19 and 7 against the spread when they're dogs so if you're seeing oklahoma city in a dog position that's the one that they uh needed i didn't mean to say doggy style actually but (laughs) i kind of said that indirectly sorry america Uh, (laughs) nobody's listening anyway but uh (laughs) anyway the dog position they uh they're a dog 19 and 7 so i like that yeah Uh, a couple other teams here further down the list you've got expected the la clippers 24 and 20 Mm -hmm. toronto right there with them 24 and 19 and Miami is another bet on team in my mind where yep. looking at 24, 17 and two against the spread. So some of the teams that you would expect here to be towards the top. One surprising team on the list is New Orleans at 23 and mm-hmm. 20, um, mm-hmm. a team with a bunch of youngsters. And you got to figure with Zion coming back last night, they're probably going to mm-hmm. start looking a little bit expensive. So it's possibly a chance where you can look to fade them. He scored 17 straight for his team. I don't uh-huh. know if you saw that. Uh, in the fourth quarter, he really, I mean, I love Zion. You know, I, I had him in our player pool last year. He's just a great guy. I'm really excited for him to be in the NBA now. Um, he does make the team better, of course. But you're right. I think there might be a, an overcorrection. They, it looks like they were dogs all year so far for the most part. Mm-hmm. And now they might actually get some love in terms of, you know, point spreads, which probably means this number is going to flip um as the season goes on so watch out what about the bottom looks like some got some real yeah. crappy teams especially look at portland and portland i guess they're 19 and 26 that's a team that's underachieved already this year 19 and 26 overall and they're 16 and 27 and 2 against the spread that's pretty bad yeah trailblazers are awful as well as my home, new hometown detroit pistons mm-hmm. 16 mm-hmm. and 26 against the spread the spurs are down here 17 and 24 followed by Minnesota, 17, and Brooklyn at 18 and 24. So kind of some teams that you would expect to be down here. I know the Nets have been without Kyrie Irving for quite some time. That likely has an impact on them. 
And uh, mm-hmm. uh, similarly, the Minnesota team has been without Carl Anthony Towns for the better part of two to three weeks now. So teams that you can definitely look to be fading, and uh, there's a good chance you can continue fade them with success. Well, one of the teams that is a little surprising kind of near the bottom here is Denver. They're 30 and 13, so they win games. But it looks like they can't really cover numbers. They're kind of middle of the road, you know, 19, 21, and 3 against the spread. They're often favored, mm-hmm. and they're not doing so well as favorites. They're 14, 18, and 3, you know, against the number when they're the favorite. So that's a team that, as good as they are, uh, and, they, you know, they're probably going to be a top 2, 3 seed, is that, you know, what's going to happen if you're if they're laying points, maybe you got to go the other way. Yeah, the uh, Nuggets are a team that I've certainly looked at fading. I actually went against them the other night when the Pacers were in town. And uh, I think they have a couple of injuries themselves. Jamal Murray has been out for a little bit, which certainly doesn't help. But uh, Nikola Jokic is still in the lineup. So maybe they'll get better as the uh, season wears on. Certainly they were the number one seed last season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a really good ball club. I really like that team, but it's kind of surprising to see them down low. Um, all right, well, what about the total, or the you know totals, the over unders mm-hmm. for the year? Who's our? Well, look at that, Detroit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that tells you that they don't play much defense. Twenty six yeah. and eighteen over this season. Uh, Miami Heat surprisingly twenty six and sixteen. Dallas is twenty five and fifteen. San Antonio twenty five and sixteen. And Atlanta and New Orleans are both 24 games to the over this season. So um, these teams are ones that you look to score a lot and probably don't play much defense on the other side. So uh, look to play them over. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, And then at the bottom, you've got Houston, which, (laughs) you know, I guess everybody expects them to score a ton, but they're actually going under a lot. They're 17, 24, and 1. And uh, that's probably because everybody expects them to score a ton, and mm-hmm. maybe they're not making, they're not doing it as much. Yeah, that one definitely surprised me. You would think that Houston would score a lot of points, but that obviously would lead to some higher totals, which they have a hard time reaching. The other teams on here are Orlando, likely defensive. I know that they play some good defense, and also a very slow-paced team. The New York mm-hmm. Knicks are 18 and 25. Denver, 19-24, and 24, and Golden State, 19-26. and 26. Hmm. Well, Golden State doesn't surprise me because <laughs> they that's probably early season. Maybe that's correcting itself over time. But, <clears throat> but yeah, Denver's a good defensive team, I guess, right? They keep the game close. The Knicks, wow, I just guess they can't score. Mm-hmm. Is that the deal? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big part of that one. Interesting. Well, it's good information. I mean, I haven't been betting much uh, actually at all on the NBA yet, but – Got to put some dollars somewhere, so might as well win some money. I mean, I know you did early in the season. You were doing really well in the NBA, weren't you? Yeah, I've definitely cooled off quite a bit recently. I think that uh, the long grind of the season has taken its toll on me, and some of the trends and metrics don't really play out as well as the season goes on. So I've slowed it down quite a bit, Um, continuing to look for spots here and there, though. With the NBA, you got to be careful, too, with load management. There's lots Mm. of stars that don't play. And I'm sure there could be a subcategory of, you know, Milwaukee games that, you know, if the, the freak doesn't play, then, you know, what happens? Or especially the Clippers, they sit a lot of guys between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So there you have it. Um, is our guard dog here. She's excited yeah. about the Clippers discussion. 
Paul George. Yeah, he, yeah, he is. Cash he, is Cash is excited. Yep, yep, yeah, he's excited. He's protecting the the studio here, so it's all good. All right, well, let's jump into the NFL. Mm-hmm. A little recap of last week, and then some you know early looks at Super Bowl. We'll have a ton of information next week for the Super Bowl for everybody. So, you know, game one, Tennessee against Kansas City, very interesting script. Uh, Tennessee came out, maybe not red hot, they played really well early, but Kansas City does what they do. They just keep rolling and couldn't be stopped for several drives in a row, and then kind of one going away in this one and covered that, covered that seven and a half pretty easily, and they did go over that total 53 in this one uh, with kind of that late touchdown surge. You know, Tennessee did put a touchdown on the board to try to keep it closer. Um, so it kind of played a way we thought, right? They couldn't mm-hmm. keep up. Ten- Titans couldn't keep up with the Chiefs, and they really stopped Derrick Henry. We kind of were texting during the game. I mean, I haven't seen any news about it, but it seemed like Henry might have been hurt or something. He wasn't in for that couple plays, that first drive of the second half, and I don't know. He wasn't as effective. I'm sure the Kansas City defense had something to do with it, but they shut him down. They shut down the Titans. Yeah, I mean – uh it certainly didn't go according to my plan with Tennessee jumping out to mm. that early 10 nothing lead, and then mm-hmm. they were up 17-7 to as well. But it definitely afforded some opportunity to get in and put some more money down on the Chiefs live, which I was happy sure. to do. And uh, that offense really got humming in the second half, and uh, Kansas City was moving the ball up and down. And I think the most telling or memory from my mind was just Patrick Mahomes' ability to get outside of the pocket and scramble for a ton of first downs, something that I think he'll probably need to do a little bit more in the Super Bowl against that San Francisco Niners defensive front. And um, Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty evident that Mahomes is now back and healthy after that knee injury earlier in the season. Yeah, he he had that one, what, 30-yard touchdown run that was kind of incredible, uh, that really, maybe it wasn't the backbreaker, but it put them ahead in the Mm -hmm. game and and really, they never looked back after at that point. So it was interesting during the game, and this is the thing about the Chiefs. You know, they didn't use Travis Kelsey. He had three ball, caught three balls in the game. It was all Tyree Kill in the red zone, and they used Damian Williams a ton. He had a great game for them. They just have a lot of weapons, and you know, leave it to Andy Reid to attack his own or attack a defense, whether it's man. They, they kind of were talking on the broadcast about how once they saw man – you know, they just, they threw the ball. And if they stayed in the zone, Mahomes ran the ball. I would imagine that you would see a lot of zone against San Francisco because, you know, that pass rush can get there. They just could not get to Patrick Mahomes. He had all day. There were some plays where it seemed like he had seven, eight seconds back there. He still threw the ball. He just ran. So, you know, we'll talk about that, I guess, later. But really interesting game. Now, you did, you said that on the pod, you you know, they did hit a field goal, meaning Tennessee. Uh-huh. So you didn't get that bet. But you also had a bet at uh, one-and-a-half field goals for the game for Tennessee that did hit. Correct, yeah. I uh, I ended up going back to the well and putting some down on one-and-a-half as well. So uh turned out got a push on the one field goal bet and then won the under one-and-a-half. I was sweating, though, a little bit that Tennessee would add a second. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Tannehill did go over the 232-and-a-half, which makes sense. You know, we kind of figured that they'd have to be throwing a lot more in this game. Um, he didn't light it up by any means, but he played okay. It was under, under 232. Oh, under, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah he finished with 209, so 
another sweat in that one, especially in the second half. I was worried that Tennessee would open it up a little bit, but wasn't able to get to the yardage total. My mistake. Totally wrong reading that. Um, but the Chiefs defense played great. And, you know, obviously they had the home field advantage there. That really helps them. So in the Super Bowl, it'll be a little different. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the second game, Green Bay at San Francisco. Now, I think you and I were both on the same page here. We knew uh, Green Bay was garbage. and We knew that. Yeah. They metrically are garbage. They won a bunch of games, close games. They, they shouldn't have won some games. And they came out and got completely destroyed in the first half. Was it 27 nothing? Is that yeah. right? 27 to nothing at halftime. Right. So this game was really over at halftime. Uh, San Francisco was a seven-point favorite. They did cover the number. But, yeah, okay, Aaron Rodgers, he threw some deep balls later. Um, They scored some points, but they really had no chance of getting even within the number, let alone win this game. So the total, unfortunately, went over the 45. It looked like it was going to be an under from the beginning. But because of all the, you know, garbage time, basically, production, you know, Green Bay was able to get that number over the total. Um, they just ran all over them, though. I mean, San Francisco had, I mean, Mostert had 220 yards himself. Yeah, a historic night for Raheem Mostert. Not too many yards short of the all-time playoff record, which would have been pretty mm-hmm. cool for really an unknown guy. But I think the bag-breaking play was uh, near the end of the first half when Aaron Rodgers threw the interception and yeah. set up the Niners right in the red zone. And they scored that touchdown, and really from that point on, you had to realize that the total was in pretty serious jeopardy. And uh, mm-hmm. sure was indeed when the Packers came out and actually gave it a pretty good fight in the second half. Yeah, they did. I mean, they played, you know, better in the second half. I guess they technically won the second half. But to me, the, it was just kind <laughs> of they probably called off the dogs a little bit with San Francisco. I mean, Jimmy mm-hmm. G threw how many passes did he throw in the game? Six? What was it? Seven. <laughs> Seven passes in yeah. the game. I mean, it was kind of like a Tannehill game where he didn't have to do much because Mostert and the gang, you know, did pretty well. Unfortunately, Tevin Coleman dislocated his shoulder. It looked like it was really bad. I thought he broke his arm or something when he did that. There's talk that he might be back for the Super Bowl. I'd be shocked, but they said he might be, Um, you know, kind of crazy. But anyway, you're under uh, 64 and a half yards for Aaron Jones hit. That was for sure. Yeah. That one was a pretty easy winner in the end. Aaron Jones did not get close to that number. And then uh, also had Aaron Rodgers over rush yards. That one did not fare so well. I don't think he even got out of the pocket once, which was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, you know, and I was texting this a little bit. You know, I'm a little bit more vehement about this. I'm not saying Rodgers is done. He's not like Eli Manning retired done. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely not the same player. And it doesn't mean he can't be really good. Uh, he still has a great, you know, accurate arm, but he doesn't take that many shots. And he did late in the game when, you know, the game was over. He took a couple of deep shots to Devontae Adams. Maybe they need another guy to go deep for them, him. But I just don't like the way he played. Um, he wasn't – it didn't seem like he was reading the defense that well. He had that one interception you noted. And mm-hmm. he certainly wasn't getting out of the pocket like he used to, which really put the pressure on the defense a la – you know, Russell Wilson, I know he's older, but it's a big part of his game. So I'm not sure if it's the offense that's run uh, under LaFleur or not, but they've got some questions to answer. They certainly won 14 games this year and everything, but I just think that uh, when push came to shove, he couldn't win this game, and that's what they needed him to do. Yeah, I don't think that the Packers were ever going to win this game. 
mm-hmm. even after the poor start. Regardless of that, I don't think that Green Bay had a shot in this one. So we got our uh, rightfully deserving Super Bowl, and I'm certainly excited mm-hmm. for it. How about you? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I if it would have been another couple teams, it would have been fine as the Super Bowl, but this is a great matchup. I mean, it's... I don't like the way it's being played up that it's the best player against the best team because I do think the Chiefs in the second half of the year have played outstanding. If mm-hmm. the Ravens weren't playing at the level they were, everybody would be talking about the Chiefs. And now people are on board. We were on board early. Go check the episodes, everybody. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited about this matchup. It's definitely intriguing. I mean, I don't know if the Chiefs can stop this running game. They did the Titans, but um, – but that's kind of the play, and then can they protect? Can the Chiefs protect Patrick Mahomes? I mean, obviously, he had all day against the Titans and ran well. This defensive line for the 49ers is elite. So I don't think their coverage is elite, but it should be a really intriguing game. It's obviously set. Kansas City's a one-point favorite. Total's a 54 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still leaning Kansas City, of course, but we can talk next week about how I should hedge, or we should hedge our futures. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I think that the unders in play here. I mean, the 54 is a big number, and as much as Chiefs have scored, I don't know. It could turn into a lower scoring game to me. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree. I've definitely got my tabs on the under. I'm kind of waiting to see where this thing is going to peak. I've heard some reports and some folks across the media who think it might get as high as 56. Oh, so wow. certainly would catch my attention if it gets to that point. And uh, I, too, have the Chiefs ticket, and I am considering some additional ways to hedge against them and uh, look to get some money down on San Francisco. And I've got some creative ideas I'll have to share with you next week. Okay, okay. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely talk about it next week. But you know, early leans, you know, I, you know I, I love the Chiefs, but it's hard. You know, it's, uh, it's certainly – it's kind of good to see for once. And the last few years, I mean – the, the better teams have made the Super Bowl. It's not like it's smoke and mirrors a lot of times. But in this case, it's an intriguing matchup, you know, and it's, you know, Andy Reid. It's a good story. You know, Andy Reid finally getting Kansas City to the Super Bowl after 50 years, which is amazing. Uh, San Francisco back after kind of the resurrection, you know, after Harbaugh left, and now they've got, you know, the young guy in and Shanahan. Yeah. And it's definitely a good story. I think, to me, the big deal is can Jimmy G play because he didn't have to do – jack shit against the Packers he's gonna to have to do yeah. something against the Chiefs so um, and it's an opportunity for Shanahan to get some redemption after blowing that massive lead uh, oh, with the Falcons yeah. against the Patriots no question no question don't want to forget about that so well we'll talk about a lot about that next week some props you know how, how to do it you know best uh Super Bowl dips I don't know <laughs> we'll talk about uh, a lot of Super Bowl stuff next week for sure was there any props that you want to touch on this week that might that you hit already or that you've heard that you think we should jump on? I haven't done anything yet. Uh, I haven't okay. really looked into the props. I've heard a lot of cross-sport props on VEASAN, which yeah. are interesting. I know that you like those, and just for the listeners, what that means is it'll be, for example, Tyreek Hill yards against um, – you know, assists and points for James Harden or something. You know, it'll be a different sport and a different total of statistics that match up against stats from the Super Bowl. So they really break out a ton of props. And we were talking before the podcast today, I guess, is the big opening day of props at the big casinos in Vegas, like the Westgate, where guys line up and big bettors fly in to 
to get those props early and they open up today. I can't remember exactly what time it was, but it was a specified time where everybody's going to come and bet those. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Yeah. Uh, nothing that I have jumped on yet. Certainly doing a little research and reading, listening myself, but uh, nothing that I felt like I needed to get on right away yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's awesome. All right, cool, man. We'll hit this up again next week. It'll probably be the lion's share of the episode on the Super Bowl. Um, but we'll still cover college basketball like always. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to make one more plug for my event. I'll do it for the next couple of weeks till people get sick of it. Um, <laughs> so Friday, February 7th, we got a singles event at Easy Bar called Meeting Made Easy, and that's 1944 West Division. Uh, if you want information, check me out at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. I'll have the information on how you can register for Eventbrite on there. Um and, uh, you know, follow the podcast, Side Action Pod, on Twitter. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Awesome. Well, well, good luck this weekend and take a break from football unless you really want to watch the Pro Bowl. There is the Senior Bowl, too, action. That's that's a good one. I, I'll start putting information out about the NFL draft already because the Senior oh. Bowl is the first step in that process. Justin Herbert's playing in that. I'd like to see him play a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll be in New York this weekend and then Philly for work. So it should be a fun weekend. Wow. Well, enjoy and safe travels to you, Wex. All right. Well, good luck, everybody. Peace. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.